fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our miniseries, Can You Feel the Bums Tonight? Covering all of the films in the Lion King series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing so well and so weirdly because <laughs> I know I know you just said in our intro that we're watching these one each week, but we have watched three of these movies in the past 24 hours. <laughs> that is true. And uh, it's, it's starting to make me feel a little slap happy, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but it's great. This is, this is the way that I would recommend watching them. Um, I would not recommend watching the second film in this, in, in this uh, second installment in this film series, but... I would recommend watching one and one and a half, like, back-to-back like this. The trajectory of, like, okay, we've made the greatest film of... One of the greatest films of all time. Now let's sort of rush out a sequel. We're not going to spend any money on it. Mm -hmm. And then ten years later, let's make a parody of it. And that'll be the third film. (laughs) And it works. It works. It It does work. Uh, Which is the weirdest thing. Wait, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. Maybe a little slap-happy as well. We're pretty good. Good. so rare that I watch a movie I love as a child and it's still good. Mm, so mm-hmm. always a good feeling i'm doing particularly good because today we're honored to have a very special guest she's a director writer camera woman extraordinaire who told us while we were watching this movie that <laughs> this movie made her who she is today please welcome back your favorite beth fletcher <laughs> thanks for being here beth it's great to be back how's it going it's good. How can it not be good after that masterpiece? <laughs> it's so good. The height of comedy, man. Here at the top, Beth, we've got to crown you champion of Cinema Bums because you're joining the Three Timers Club Hell along cute. with Laura as the the two most appearances so far. Wow. I think that's fitting. I think so, too. Well, congratulations. Thanks. What are you going to do with your newfound fame and glory? Probably become social media famous and then uh, quit my job and turn into a monster. <laughs> that's good that's the dream please sponsor us that is. please sponsor us we would also like to quit our jobs and become monsters <laughs> all right beth have you what's your what's your history with the lion king what's not um i think you know <laughs> what's not i don't know i remember it was great as a kid mm-hmm. you know the first one and first then one. i watched it again 10 years later when I was 18 and I cried the whole time. Wow. And then the second one, I remember being amazing, but I guess you guys are saying that it's terrible. So I'm not going to go back and rewatch it to <laughs> confirm. <laughs> and, that, and then this one, Lion King one and a half. God, I'm so glad that it didn't disappoint, you know, because uh-huh. I remember it being so funny. Yeah. And the specifically the, the sunrise sunset sequence always sticks mm. out in my head. And I'm the like, what's on the menu part? Yeah, no, no, no. The um, when they're singing about the the song from Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, like yeah. that to me is always like I think of that song from that movie, not from Fiddler on the Roof. You know, <laughs> so I, you know, it just it's uh, I've been steeped in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Were you a big Disney kid? I was a big Disney kid because for a long time we didn't have cable; we only had VHSs, mm. which is why I have such an extensive mm. VHS collection. <laughs> but um, I saw these either in theater or straight to like dvd vhs like mm-hmm. that was pretty much all i had was and, like, lion king your fave 
or no the goofy movie was my favorite oh, but okay. lion king close followed so mm. yeah and then oliver and company and then the sword and stone oh that's Ooh, a cool so, one. yeah emma do you like sword and stone Strikes i do me sword, one sword and the like. stone is really sweet and like a very faithful adaptation of the book of the first book in yeah. the once in future king and mm. it's hilarious and it's hilarious yeah. what about black cauldron i mean you've seen black cauldron also love black cauldron although it is a much less faithful adaptation of the books that it's based on oh. uh the chronicles of Prydain or the Prydain chronicles one of the two you know i never saw it and now i'm kind of thinking like maybe it's because it had like a magical title like witchy uh-huh. like it turned you off. You no, know, because Christian household. Oh. Yeah. Could you watch Harry Potter? Yeah, we could watch Harry Potter. Okay. Just, those, I don't know. I know some people could. No, yeah. Those books were really cool, but they were like Lord of the Rings for kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. I thought that was just The Hobbit. Yeah. They were like... The Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> yeah, but like written by an American guy. Oh, okay. Mm, gotcha. So like Game of Thrones for kids before cool. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Has anyone ever seen The Black Hole? No. It's not animated, but it's Disney's like immediate Star Wars ripoff. What? It comes off in like 79 or something. And it's like their Battlestar Galactica take, basically. On, no, like, I really love to, space though. Opera. Dude. It's probably on Plus. I don't know why it wouldn't be. You know what else I feel like we need to watch? Is there's a Flash Gordon movie. Yeah, with the Queen soundtrack. I haven't seen yeah, it, but we need to from watch that. the 80s. Yeah. Wow. Another movie that we need to watch that's from the 80s is The Last Starfighter while we're in this. Oh, in and this the, the roller, roller Kids or whatever? I don't know about you that. Know, the know. Australian roller skating uh, po- like post-apocalyptic movie? Yeah, let's do it. You guys should it. just do a series of like B-movies from the 80s. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'd be so in for that because... I would love to watch Beyond Thunderdome. Just oh like God. I would watch Beyond Thunderdome every day. Of is my that damn the Janet life. Jackson one? Yes, it or is. Or is it Tina Turner? No, wait, not Janet Jackson. Yeah, Tina Turner. Okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is. Uh, it's not the best of the Mad Max because obviously that's Fury Road, but it is like mm-hmm. so good. I just watched Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson, mm-hmm. so it's on my mind. Nice. Did you watch this movie in theaters because they were doing some screenings of it? I saw this movie in a theater, for instance, even though it was direct-to-video. I don't remember, Okay, but I probably did because we went to the movies so much as a kid that mm-hmm. how many things can you pick, you know? Yeah. Emma, and you hadn't seen this before. I had not seen this. Never wow. before in my life. I was aware of it. I'd seen previews for it, like, on other Disney VHSs that we had. So, like, some of the jokes from this, I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize mm-hmm. that. Like, especially, like, the farting yeah. In yeah. the hot tub scene was like definitely something from the preview that turned me off of wanting to watch this movie as a kid. I was like, come on. But I think they were really. I thought you loved bathroom humor. Uh, I, th- I think they you were turned really your selling. nose up at anyone who didn't like it. <laughs> Not exactly. Just... It was the Swiss Army man of its time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It got a reputation for being one thing and really was completely different. Yeah. Completely. Mm. A story about friendship, really. Mm. Yeah. At, at its core. It really is actually a lot like Swiss Army Man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> pretty wild so i had the video game mm-hmm. which was great it was for the game boy advance i think it only came out on the game boy advance and it was made by vicarious visions who made the uh game boy ports of the tony hawk games oh, and the crash bandicoot games mm-hmm. and now they make the remakes which is a cool little full circle thing but like the crash bandicoot trilogy and the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remakes. Um, but they made this game and it was really great. And I'm sure past and future guests Sam Holloman would be remiss if I didn't mention it. It also had cutscenes. Like you would unlock little scenes from the uh, movie that's cool. in that's cool. between the levels. And it was a handheld platformer. Yeah, it was yeah. a platformer. But I remember as a kid, like the coolest thing in the world was watching any type of video on my Game Boy. 
Oh, yeah. I had another pack that had, like, two episodes of Cartoon Network shows. Yeah, they had oh, cartridges weird. that were just, yeah. like, little shows. It was, like, one episode of Johnny Bravo. Oh, my God. And maybe one episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. And, like, that was the whole game. But one of my friends so had weird. Go yeah. West Young Meowth on, on a cartridge, which was, like, some Pokemon movie or extended <laughs> TV episode uh-huh. that you could plug in and watch. Oh uh, when I had the PSP, they would put whole movies on that thing, mm-hmm. the UMT. So I remember there was, like, Hitch on there because it was, like, more for, like, teenagers and adults. Uh-huh. I remember I had one that just had a bunch of trailers on it. It was, I think it maybe came with the PSP, but it just had, like, ten trailers for movies. Oh, that's fun. Like, Spider-Man 2. I think it had the Nickelback music video from Spider-Man on there. I remember one time when I was at camp, a friend of mine had a PSP, and they let me, like, stay up and watch, like, just, like, by myself, a movie on there. And it was, I think it was that terrible Hansel and Gretel movie, like, from the early 2000s. You know, where they're, like, they're witch hunters or something? And... You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe yeah. it was the Brothers Grimm. It was Grimm. much maybe... later than that. Yeah, you no, probably no, it was the Brothers Grimm. That was the other one. Mm. So, Which but is I couldn't figure a out a great movie. I couldn't figure out the controls, so I kept skipping around and I missed like half of the plot cuz it was like, "Oh, well, I keep bumping the thing and skipping scenes forward." <laughs> Dude, it was such a pain. And now you can watch a whole movie on your iPhone with pretty much like no trouble at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah, how far we've come. How far we've come. Emmett for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, mm-hmm. could you briefly summarize the plot? So the plot of this movie is that Timon and Pumbaa, beloved characters from the original, mm-hmm. are watching the original Lion King in a home movie theater, as far as I can tell. Well, I think they're watching this movie. They might. Yeah, they could also <laughs> be watching this movie. It's hard. They are to, watching this movie. They start out watching The Lion King. And he's right, like, and well, then they're like, wait uh, a second. What about yeah, what we were doing? What about what we were doing the whole time? And so then we get to go back and see the origin story of Timon and Pumbaa becoming friends. The origin story of them adopting the philosophy of Hakuna Matata. With with uh, commentary. With commentary from them as they're watching it. So it's like this meta thing. Very big in the 2000s with Mystery Science Theater 3000 or 2000 or whichever it was. And they're, so they're commenting the whole time. And it's like the backstory stuff. Like what was going on just off screen in the original you see how they were involved in some of the biggest moments from the original Lion King in like kind of uh, ob- obscured ways. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it becomes a story about how um, Timon has to overcome his selfishness to like fight for his friends and say, really turns out he was the one who saved the day at the end of the original Lion King and like defeated all the hyenas with some help from his mom, his uncle Max, and of course his beloved Pumbaa. Yeah, it was, it's great. <laughs> I cannot stress enough how great it is. This movie we're talking about is The Lion King One and a Half. Our beloved German listener may be wondering what we're talking about. That's because internationally this film is known as The Lion King 3 Hakuna Matata. Crazy. No. It's no, very it's, weird. That is weird. I feel like saying the Lion King 3 creates certain expectations that this movie would not live up to necessarily. I also wonder if it's not like the American audience is more kooky and they'll get the like references to like 
Do you think they don't have fractions in other countries? <laughs> I'm sure they probably I don't know how fractions. the metric system works. I, I mean, the metric system does work kind of without fractions, but fractions as a mathematical concept are independent of measurements. So Yeah, you I'm know, sure they know what a half is. They yeah. were going to name um, Brazil 1984 and a half, and then they decided that it was too, like... <laughs> too on the, too on the wow. nose. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, because you can either get a pint or you can get a half. So, mm, you know, obviously they know. That's, that's how they know the halves. That's how they know their halves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but entirely reductive about other countries here. Well, it's, uh, what more could you expect from Disney? I feel like it should have been The Lion King negative one. That would have been good, yeah. but I that feel like that would have confused American audiences too much because American audiences are kooky, but they are not clever. <laughs> that might have been a step too far. Yeah. They do not know what a philosopher is. <laughs> they do not Only a sorcerer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this one was directed by Bradley Raymond, who also directed Pocahontas 2, The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, The Secret of the Bell, and the 2008 Tinkerbell movie. Oh, Wow. So this is from the same Disney Toon Studios that made uh-huh. sort of all of the direct-to-video movies. And as we were saying before, it was very much like people on that team sort of worked in that team and worked their way up and wore a lot of hats across all of these movies. Uh, we also found out last, last episode, Beth, that a Goofy movie was originally made to be straight to... Really? Uh, video by this team. And then it was so good they put it out in theaters. Wow. An extremely goofy movie was straight to video. Yeah. I feel like that's the most high profile of any of these. This is the only one that I'd ever heard of before. I think this one was them. a big deal, I feel like. Maybe yeah. it's just the age. But this is also kind of at the end of when these were coming out. So I feel like you can see there's a lot more craft on display here. Yeah. Than there was at the beginning. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they've just been working on it for a long enough time. They, like, really had a vision on this. This doesn't feel at all like anyone was, like, taking a paycheck. I'll say that. Like, the studio was not like, I don't know, just make a Timon and Pumbaa movie. Yeah, they, <laughs> the, somebody had a vision. And yes. they, they achieved that vision. <laughs> this was written by Tom Rogers, who wrote Kronk's New Groove and Lego The Adventures of Clutch Powers. Oh presumably two other classics. The songs for it are mostly taken from the Elton John Tim Rice soundtrack of the original and from the Lebo M music he did. Mm. And both of those groups contribute one new song. So Dig a Tunnel is by Lebo M and That's All I Need is by Elton John and Tim Rice. Oh, wow. Came back and did one for this. And then the score is by Donnell Harper, who also did Tarzan and Jane huh. mm-hmm. and Atlantis Milo's Return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I love Atlantis, but I don't think I saw that one. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. This runs one hour and 16 minutes, the shortest in the series. How did you guys feel about the pacing of this one? I think it's the perfect movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because every time the pace is starting to change from the, like, kind of chill, like Timon and Pumbaa, oh, it's funny, you know, and, like, get more intense, they cut in with a with a commentary or, mm-hmm. like, an accidental pause or something like that. Mm-hmm. That makes the pace continuously, like, the same. So it's, like, kind of starts to ramp up and then slows down and then starts to ramp up and then slows down. And I think that's very much, like, their yeah. vibe. So I think <laughs> that they really paced it out accordingly yeah yeah i think this is a great paced movie it does like such a breeze and like we talked about how the last movie is very short and yet doesn't hit like has tons of downtime and doesn't hit the beats that you need it to hit Mm. somehow while being too long at an hour 20 
And this movie hits all of the emotional beats that you need it to hit Mm -hmm. and like really tells the story that it's setting out to tell uh and also never lingers in anything too long it was yeah really good not not any dead air in that Mm -hmm. it's really good i think you're right beth that it's always sort of undercutting the tension in Mm -hmm. very fun ways Mm -hmm. talk about this more but i think it's serious when it needs to be which like these types of movies normally aren't yeah you know yeah. not to invoke deadpool but that's like yeah a movie that can't take its serious moments seriously and is much worse for it i mm-hmm. feel like this film was released february 10th 2004 the same year that massachusetts became the first state to legalize same-sex marriage hmm. coincidence amazing i think not <laughs> This film uh, was produced by Disney Toon Studios. There's no budget or box office to speak of. <laughs> this is also not on Metacritic. Oh, my God. For some strange reason. I, I'm sure the reason is the same as number two, but weird. <laughs> the only review I could find that wasn't from Just for Kids Movies magazine uh-huh. or something similar was from Joe Layden of Variety, who contributed this gem. He says, a clever retelling of a classic tale from a skewed point of view of supporting characters. Yeah. Which is really more of a summary yeah. <laughs> than a review. Yeah. But that's all I could find. So, uh, Beth, liking one and a half, Flobber Bop. Oh, it's a bop, baby. <laughs> Emmett, Flobber Bop. It's a bop. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so we talked about how the last one retcons a bunch of stuff. This retcons everything and you love it. You're like, yeah, absolutely they were there. Yeah, they were doing that. Cool. Sure. Because it's fun and they make it make sense. It's not just like this happened arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. And the jokes are the jokes are back. Jokes are better than ever. The jokes are better than ever. Yeah, the jokes are like better than their jokes in the original. Well, not even that, but like the jokes as a kid were great Mm because it's like, oh, haha, that's funny and weird. Uh And the jokes, you know, an adult that kind of understands what the jokes are. Yeah, yeah. It's different. Yeah. Such so many good gems. They're back and better than ever. <laughs> they are. Truly. Wait. Pop or bop? Yeah, it's a bop for me. I love it. I awesome. loved it as a kid, and I'm so glad that it holds up. I felt like it was going to be good, but I didn't know if it was going to be as good. Mm-hmm. It really is. I feel like the new stuff they add is like pretty smart and fun. There's sort of like just there enough of it for you to enjoy all of the romping through the original movie. Yeah, there's just enough to like give it an excuse to happen. <laughs> yeah, because if it didn't have that much, it would feel maybe just sort of like a TV special mm-hmm. almost, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then there's also the meta layer on top that they're watching the movie and pausing it and being sort of irreverent about the irreverent movie, mm-hmm. which is interesting. This came out after Shrek, right? Yes, Shrek is a one, I believe. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's in that same, like, cool... Like the attitude. The attitude era. Uh era, But funny still. Before that got old. (laughs) Before, like, Shrek 3, when that was just played out. But But this is also, like, where Shrek is, like, there's jokes for kids and for adults, but Uh this is an innuendo or something like that, you know? Like, that is a certain kind of, like, tiresome comedy. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, this isn't just a joke for, like, anyone. This is a joke for someone who knows exactly what I'm joking about or, like, exactly what I'm misquoting or exactly... You know what I mean? Like, what we're recreating or, like, why it's funny that his mom is the way that she is. You know what I mean? It's, like, not, like... It's not like hidden dirty jokes. It's like right. actually mm-hmm. like hidden jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it better. I think it would not work at all if you had not seen The Lion King. 
Yeah, oh, no. Which yeah, isn't a bad no. thing. I'm just saying. No, it wouldn't. It really depends on... I think you get more from it the more you know about Lion King. Well, who would watch this not having seen Lion King? Who knows why maniacs do what they do? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> the gag where he comes out and says, I love the smell of Pumbaa in the morning is mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so good. And, like, you're a kid, you have no idea what that means. You know, and you're like, you're just like, that's funny because yeah. Pumbaa stinks. yeah. My favorite joke, both as a kid and as today, is when he says it's kind of hard to think with all this music. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in the big dramatic moment. The music is swelling behind him. That, that really is, gets That me. is really good. <laughs> and I think this is sort of in line for Timon because he has sort of like, maybe not broken the fourth wall to this degree, but he has like a little bit of a wider frame of reference than mm-hmm. the other characters do. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with him and Pumbaa is they're like vaudeville characters who've walked onto the yeah. set of a serious movie, which is kind of what they were that review quote about The Lion King was saying, where it's like a serious drama with levity sprinkled, with like comedy sprinkled in, you know, and mm-hmm. it's mostly from them. They've like walked, they're these two guys they're from a clown. completely different yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of like what makes that so Shakespearean, like the original so Shakespearean is having these two clowns. And that's what makes this very much like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are yeah. dead, mm. which I feel like best. Yeah, let's go. Let's step into the Shakespeare corner here to talk about like where this movie came from a little bit. I love that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is considered like a, a Shakespeare reference. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. like, oh, well, that was Shakespeare. That's part of canon. Like, yeah, it's like, it is. They were totally there. They were totally yeah, doing those things. Definitely. <laughs> Um, does one of you want to explain Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? I will do a poor job of it, but yes, it is best friends of Hamlet, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are in the play for probably like a couple scenes, ten couple pages, scenes, yeah. maybe, yeah. get their whole own play where they exist in a non non lateral plane of existence, <laughs> like, and they're only real when Hamlet's happening around them, mm-hmm. and like what's going on between the scenes. And, like, they're trying to figure out what's going on. It's very funny. Written by the great uh, Tom Stoppard. Mm-hmm. And this movie sh- is similar to that. Yeah. In some ways. In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. They yeah. definitely have a more um, more grounded plot. Timon mm. and Pumbaa yeah, have a more yeah. grounded plot. Yeah, it's definitely taking, like, the idea behind Rosencrantz and Guildenstern mm-hmm. are dead and applying it to the Lion King. Like, that applies mm-hmm. it to Hamlet. Is there, like, stuff in the actual play, like, what they actually do with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead that is reflected in the actual plot here, too? Yeah, they're always being placed into the scene. Mm. So the plot of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are always bringing them to a point where they're in the actual Hamlet scene. Uh, and right. they did the same thing here. Yeah. Where you're actually uh, Timon being like, and, and then they cut into him singing. And if he falls mm. in love tonight, right? So, like, right. they did that a lot in this play. Right. And yeah. also, like, the moment when they're bowling for buzzards and uh-huh. he's like, ah, come on, it's not going to change your lives if we do it one more time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they go straight into it. Yeah, exactly. It is that <laughs> setup right into yeah. them coming on. Yeah. Which is a little bit different from cutting from one thing to another. It, it really is, yeah. It, it's also sort of about two characters who are spending a lot of time together, wasting time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, sort of the action just comes to them in a certain way. Yeah. Which would be really unsatisfying in any other sort of movie. Mm-hmm. But since you know they're, like, stock characters... 
who are meant to be in the background. Like, it's very funny to see what they're doing when, yeah. when they're not on screen, per se. Well, and especially when the other stuff is happening in the background. Those are my favorite mm-hmm. moments. Because, like, when they're a part of it, and it's like, oh, they're running around, and they, we know that Simba's there. But when they're, like, just, like, walking through the baptism of Simba or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, like, who's that? Like, like that, to me, is very funny. Like With Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the emotional weight of that play comes from their existential dread about Mm -hmm. like not knowing their place right and like not knowing why they're there and feeling like they're being dragged along to their death which Mm -hmm. they somehow like have like an inkling of being imminent well and they know it's going to repeat itself Uh, yeah and like they've got there's like a feeling of that going on which the repeating itself is also in this movie with the rewinding to the beginning Mm -hmm. at the end but i think this movie makes the very clever change to that in saying like we're going to put the emotional weight on the relationship between these two people instead because it's not dark it's a children's movie movie. it's not going to have them die at the end yeah yeah uh but we'll put the emotional weight of this movie on like what do they like how do they interact Mm -hmm. and like what do they want from each other, I guess? I don't yeah. know. Who do we think is the protagonist of this film? Timon. He wants to find his place in the world. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, I mean, I also, think it's, I also think it's Timon. I agree that he wants to find his place in the world. Well, I mean, the change he makes is to, like, stop being so selfish. Mm. So that's, like... But that's not what he but wants. But that's not what he wants. He doesn't want to become less selfish. He doesn't set off to become less selfish. Yeah. It's like he doesn't fit in with his family, and so he wants to like he has to build a family. And, yeah, like, like Simba and Pumbaa are involved in that, and then like as the the as as the responsibilities of the family change, as the needs of the family change, like he has to grow into what that family actually is instead of just what he wants it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the most potent stuff in this movie is when it is kind of about found family mm-hmm. and about like an unexpected parenthood yeah <laughs> like when they're like we're two best friends and now we have to be dads yeah really, really sweet. got me yeah, yeah very sweet also in the climax it ends with sort of him finally making his mom proud mm-hmm. at the same time as his son is making him proud yeah which is pretty wild yeah yeah that's really good <laughs> it's like it's hard to to see it and not be like were they trying to imply homosexuality mm-hmm. in Timon and Pumbaa? Yeah. You know because they're both one of them is like supportingly exiled from home-ish. Uh-huh. And the other one is just kicked out of his home and then they come together and then they Yeah. were there till the end and then they become parents. And so it's not that I see it that way when I watch it, but talking about it yeah. Like, their actual story makes me wonder, like, were they trying to do that? Like, is that this is an early, like, version of them trying to tell right. that story? Yeah, I don't know. I definitely see that a lot, too. I feel like the relationship doesn't always feel about it, but the circumstances yeah. do. Yeah. Exactly. Nathan Lane is openly gay, who plays Timon. Mm-hmm. So it could also be some sort of tribute to him. Yeah. And a very much the moment that felt like it was when... His family finds him when he's in drag. Yeah, like yeah. that's very purposeful. Yeah, and his like. dad being or his, his uncle, uncle being like different. He's in a dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his mom sort of still being very accepting of mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Well, and he like 
can't do anything right at home and then he breaks into song it's like no one else breaks into song at the century like you know it's like stuff like that it's like yeah because it is 2004 Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like even just the mere act that they don't give either of them female love interests is a big thing Yeah. yeah that's i think sort of the thing we see um in the two frozen movies with elsa where it's like they won't make her gay but they won't give her yeah. a boyfriend or make her attracted to men hmm. like they will just like ignore her sexuality they're pushing completely. the line as far as they're able yeah. yeah yeah that's also okay to get like way deep on the theater history side of this uh-huh. too and like the vaudeville stuff like that is part of like this old burlesque routine of like these men who are like these like gay men these older gay men who are, like, also part of the burlesque... Like, they come out and do, like, funny jokes in between mm-hmm. and, like, do a funny, like, gay routine, in hmm. air quotes, like, that I'm sure was extraordinarily offensive, you know? But is, like, part of... Like, as part of... Is, like, the joke part of the burlesque show in mm. between, like, the women dancers coming out. And that, like, those two guys are descended from those, like, the characters of those two, of Timon and Pumbaa, are descended from those guys. Mm-hmm. Whether or not, like, that's actually... In, like, the Lion King. In, in like, yeah, in yeah. the line of, of like, archetypal succession, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. That's who they that's who they descend from. There's, like, there's something to all of that, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, it's just curious, like... Yeah. Other characters in that sort of archetype that I think of are R2-D2 and C-3PO. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. You know, aren't sexual beings at all. But they're a but, couple. Yeah. They're a couple. Yeah. Like, Straight up. They are each other's defining relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're always together. They have relationship dynamics, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. in the same way Timon and Pumbaa do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting because you bring up, they're like a sexless gay couple. Yeah. Like that's, and well, like, that's, that's what makes it safe. It's that's like, what made me think of this is like, I always think of being a kid and it's like, Aunt Mary has her friend lives with her. Like, right. Yeah. Someone's mom that we know yeah. has a best friend that lives with her. Right. And mm-hmm. they're like, this is my friend. Like, this is just my best friend. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay. And when you're a kid, it's like, oh, that's Aunt Mary's best friend. Right. Mm-hmm. And they live together and they have a dog and they're mm-hmm. happy. But as a this kid, happened to me. when you're a kid, you're like, oh, that's what it is. Uh-huh. Like, Pastor Jim isn't isn't gay. He just doesn't have a wife. Right. And he lives with his best friend. You, you're a kid. They're not telling you what's actually going on. Yeah. And so, like, that to me is kind of Timon and Pumbaa. Like, it's never implicitly said yeah. that they're a couple, but they sleep in the same bed every night. And yeah. they have a kid together. And, you know, like, all of those yeah. things. And so it's like, I'm just thinking as, like, a child. Mm-hmm. That's the relationship that you picture when yeah. you think of someone lying to a child about a gay couple. Yeah. yeah. And because I think it would be, like, more dangerous, I mean, like, harder for Disney to touch if they were the same species of animal. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, like, there's, throughout this, there's, like, kind of a thing about, like, it's only animals of the same species that are mm-hmm. hooking up because that makes sense. Um, so, like, they're an odd couple in, like, more than one sense, yeah, you know? Like, that's interesting. So there's there's something to that. Mm-hmm. And also with, like, C-3PO and R2-D2, if it was two droids that looked like C-3PO and could both speak in English, mm-hmm. you'd it would feel gayer. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But it, because it's, I don't think like, it could feel gayer than the two of them, no, actually. That's, that's, that's true. But you, mean, know, you know what I mean? 
Uh huh. I remember uh, reading this thing in 2017 that this kind of reminds me of, which was about like the separation of queer identity and queer desire, mm-hmm. like both being necessary components. Mm-hmm. But this was in context of Call Me By Your Name mm-hmm. being a movie that's about queer desire, but sort of doesn't engage in any way with queer identity. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it's just sort of about, um, you know, someone who wants someone and that person is a man, but it's not really about get culture yeah, yeah, yeah. also love simon being a movie that's all about queer identity but doesn't touch queer desire at all interesting like, there's like one kiss at the end but it's just sort of about like the circumstances of being yeah oppressed and accepting yourself without really ever touching the sex aspect like huh. you're yeah. talking about i read something similar that was saying like when soul came out that mm. we can't tell black stories without like morphing them into right, non-human right, right. entities Mm-hmm. Wow. That was an yeah. interesting read. Yeah. And certainly if we're talking about the whole queer thing, like something that we've maybe been dancing around is that in the Disney Renaissance, all of the villains are gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All of them. <laughs> Including uh, Jeremy Iron Scar. Yeah. Like, you're so strange. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have no idea how strange he is. That they're all sort of written as these like fabulous, flamboyant, funny single characters yeah. Yeah, who are yeah. trying to self-actualize but are also like they're th- mean to kids <laughs> they're a threat to society yeah because they're not having children uh-huh and because they upset the social order almost always related to someone in the main cast but is like an outcast exactly uh-huh. who, who else besides scar um okay ursula, ursula for sure drag oh, queen yeah, yeah, that's okay, the big yeah. one Hades. Oh yeah, Hades. Yeah, you're right. Um, we've got Scar. Oh, the, that might be the it. I evil, don't really know I'm about sure Jafar. I'm sure the evil priest in no Jafar is trying to sleep with Jasmine. Jafar so and the thing. evil priest in Hunter oh, Dom is trying to sleep forgetting. with a gypsy. Uh, that's why he hates her because he's attracted yeah. to her. I'm sorry for speaking over, no. but we're forgetting a huge one in Gaston. Oh. oh. With yeah. LeFou. That is some... Yeah. I saw a high school production that played it, like, explicitly played it that way. That's so huh. funny. I and never thought it. And it really worked. Like, like, really, when he was, like, beating up the beast at the end, uh-huh. they just, like, Made sort it of, super sexual? No, they made it explicit that he was, like, taking it out on his own, like, closeted... Like, taking huh. out his anger at his closeted identity and then, like, he couldn't be LeFou. Le he was, like... Interesting. Because there's that whole thing that he, like, kisses LeFou in the song and then he's just, like, no, just kidding. Like, we're just bros or whatever. Huh. Like, that's a big thing. Huh. Weird. But that's the thing that's happening here, So, too. like, oh Disney God. and the queer community. And there's the whole... Not cool with each the other. The whole queer aspect of Mulan, which uh, I yeah. know that they address in some way in the live action, but I haven't seen it. Interesting. That he falls in love with her when a, he's a, when she's, when she's a, a man. man. Yeah, when it's an Orsino Cesario situation. Mm-hmm. Live action is pretty good. I'd watch it with you. I would check it out. I've been waiting for that for anyone else to say it's good and we should watch it. I I won't. <laughs> I had a good time. I, I won't watch it, but I, it's just I'm just not gonna. I won't watch it because of where it was filmed and like what's going on. Oh sure. So. Well, Jimmy Wong's in it. Fellow podcaster. Oh my gosh. So, you got to show your respect. I have no shade to any of the actors in it, just the studio and the the lead actress the who, Chinese government. Well, a lot of people uh, had a problem because the lead actress was like oh, in support of in them. In support of, yeah. So you do in support have of anti-Kong, things Kong against Kong. the actors. Yeah. <laughs> some things against some the things actors. Some things against some yeah. of the actors. Sure. But Matthew Broderick also killed people. That's I think true. this is like a slippery line to start <laughs> going down, to be frank. What? I can look it up. He like. Killed people in a drunk driving accident yeah. and got away with it because he was already a star. I don't want to speak out of turn. I'm looking it up here. 
Okay, on August 5th, 1987, while driving a rented BMW in Ireland, Broderick crossed into the wrong lane and collided head-on with a Volvo. The driver, Anna Gallagher, 28, and her mother, Margaret Dorty, 63, were both killed instantly. Broderick told police he had no recollection of the crash and did he not know why he was in the wrong lane. He was charged with causing death by dangerous driving and faced up to five years in prison, but was convicted of the lesser charge, fined 175 U.S. dollars. Oh my God. Can you imagine being rich? Can you imagine how much easier it would be? And less expensive. Uh, yeah. Well, they have to keep their money. In February 2012, when Broderick was featured in a multi-million dollar Honda commercial that aired during the Super Bowl. Oh my God. The victim's brother and son said that Broderick wasn't the greatest choice of drivers. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I say that not to say we shouldn't like this movie because of Matthew Project, just to say I feel like when we start going down that line <laughs> sure, sure. of being like this, I don't like this actor because of their personal life. Oh, well, that's most of the deep. filmmakers yeah. and artists yeah, alive. Yeah, it's today. almost everyone. <laughs> and the people who it isn't in 25 years, it probably, yeah, it probably will be. Will be. Uh, Lion King 2 had a song written by Joss Whedon. <laughs> we didn't talk about that, so. <laughs> I don't even care. <laughs> This came out in the middle of sort of a weird middle period in Disney history. Uh So we talked about the Disney Renaissance going all the way up through Tarzan in 99. Uh And there is sort of what's considered like the modern Disney Renaissance that starts with Tangled in 2010. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is in the middle of this period. And and I want to say I'm not saying any of these movies are bad, but it is fair to say that they are not like did not reach the success of their predecessor. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like during that time, too, they had a lot of focus on the um, channel, Disney Channel shows. Uh-huh. Like Timon and Pumbaa's show and all the, yeah. like, all the weird off-spin. Like, I don't remember any movies necessarily from that time. Well, this is what we got. Uh-oh. Dinosaur. <laughs> the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, which oh is incredible. So yeah. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, also which is incredible. incredible, yeah. Lilo and Stitch. Also pretty damn good. Treasure Planet. Oh, my God. Which the- is great. Brother Bear. Mm. This is when it goes down a little bit. Home on the Range. Mm. (laughs) Chicken Little. I love Chicken Little. Not gonna lie. Meet the Robinsons. Bolt. The Princess and the Frog. Which is very good. good. I feel like it's interesting because this decade, like the thousands, is sort of when Pixar is booming Mm -hmm. and doing all these creative stuff. Mm -hmm. And Disney is very much down. And then like the tens when Disney is doing... Tangled, Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, Zootopia, Moana. Mm -hmm. This is when, like, Pixar is doing a billion creatively bankrupt sequels. Yeah. You know, and they're sort of down. I guess this Thousands is also, like you were saying, with Shrek, like, there's DreamWorks and there's Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. And it's very much about an attitude that I feel like Disney does not have. (laughs) That maybe they're chasing with Lilo and Stitch or something. Yeah, kind of. Could you imagine Disney making the Jimmy Neutron movie? (laughs) No. I've never seen the Jimmy Neutron movie, but you saying that makes me want to. <laughs> so, if we all think Timon is the protagonist, mm-hmm. yeah. who is our favorite character in this movie other than Timon, our MVP, OTT? OTT. Beth, you get first pick here. Probably the mom, Timon's mom. Mm-hmm. She's great. <laughs> Played by Julie Kavner, mm-hmm. the voice of Marge Simpson. Amazing. And she just is playing. She's <laughs> just playing large, yeah. yeah. She's the mom everyone wants, but no one actually gets. <laughs> <laughs> 
she carries a lot of the emotional weight of the movie, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, and you can tell it's like, oh, like, she raised Timon, and that's why he's so emotional now, and, like, it's so mm. readily available, and I don't know, she's the only curvy uh, meerkat. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, too. They're all, like, so similar, and she's just this little, like, cute mom. <laughs> what happened to Timon's dad, I wonder? Not even mentioned not even there probably yeah or uncle max uncle max is sort of his father figure yeah yeah i feel like his dad got eaten by a hyena and they just never talk about it (laughs) i mean i really i really do i think that's what i think there's some dark stuff in that family history oh my god just don't even need to get into emma who's your mvp I think I'm going to keep it in the family and say Uncle Max. <laughs> so he gets, he's getting some good yeah. jokes in this movie. All of the new characters being picked for us. Yeah. Yeah. And played by the late, great Jerry Stiller. Oh. Ben Stiller's dad. Mm. And also from... Um, Seinfeld. Who is your favorite character? Yeah, who's your MVP? Oh, I got to pick now. It was Ma. It was Timon's mom. Um, I'm looking down the list... Shenzi has a good moment. <laughs> oh, that moment is hilarious. <laughs> when he proposes to her. Yes. So now we know where the full name came from. Yeah. We read the other week. I guess it's Rafiki. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> he has a lot to do and he does it pretty well in this. So, yeah, he feels more true to his character in this one than he did mm. in the second mm-hmm. two. Like, it's hard. It's hard for them to have like a very mystic character and make fun of him and still keep that like mm-hmm. yeah. energy but i feel like they do it really well when yeah. timon's doing the back and forth himself <laughs> yeah and, and rafiki's like that's funny that's great yeah and when ma hits him with his own oh stick my God. and gives him a talking to i think that's my favorite moment like with ma because mm. she's like you gave him a metaphor you know and it's like so funny <laughs> it's like I'm glad she comes back because that pops up very much in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, is that the last time we're going to see her? Because it feels like another mm-hmm. half an hour before she pops up at the end. Yeah. We should mention Pumbaa too because he's great. He is great. Of course he he's is. good. I was going to say no love for Pumbaa here. I feel like he is. Uh, I'm glad that he gets a little bit more to do here. Yeah. Because if you watch the first movie, it's really like there's one joke about him farting. Yeah. But he is more of a character than that. And yeah. then it feels like sort of in the, in the second movie, he's pretty much all fart jokes. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of that here. But they better constructed. They're tasteful. Yeah. And I think he has a real emotional intelligence mm-hmm. that they really tune into in this one. I love the joke that he is always saying the correct thing and Timon just like mm-hmm. sort of won't listen to him. Yeah. That's I, in the first movie, too. Yeah. I a love lot of that. when they're going over the waterfall and she says, do you think it's possible to fall off the edge of the earth? <laughs> he's like, well, no. <laughs> the earth is <laughs> spherical, yeah. <laughs> which is just like a callback to the joke about oh. the stars being like, I think they're balls of gas burning millions and millions of miles away. <laughs> Um, yes, and then he does that for people, too, where he's like, what does he say? Like, he can't express his feelings, and she has yeah. commitment issues. Which reminded me a little bit too much of my last relationship. Dude, there was all a couple things in this that reminded me a little bit too much of real life. Oh, yeah, when, when Timon's like, no one around, like, what was that? And you looked over Lonely, try commitment free. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I think that um, Pumbaa was really influential in the middle of our big butt craze that's going oh, on yeah. right now. Yeah, an influential forefather in the movement, I think. For sure. So I was trying to think, is there anything else like this movie? 
especially in terms of movies like is there anything within a franchise that is as much of a meta joke about the franchise as this uh the minions movie (laughs) okay that is fair there i mean there's a little bit of this in the emperor's new groove oh yeah yeah, but that's just kind of the style of that whole movie because isn't he like watching it and rewinding it well he like pauses it and and then cronk like is little angels and like maybe not yeah But, but it's not it's just its own original thing, too, because yeah. it's not commenting on the, a previous one. There's not really a lot of, like, what's happening while something else is happening. The closest thing I could think of is in uh, the opening scenes of both of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are, like, him explaining voiceover. the Avengers movies from, like, his perspective. Oh, yeah. And they show him, like, running while the fight is happening yeah. and, like, voicing over That's... the characters dying or whatever. That was yeah. the closest thing that came to mind for me. Okay. Because if like stuff like Galaxy Quest or Spaceballs or whatever is sort of the same thing, but that's not. It's in... more of a joke and less of like yeah. Yeah. a meta joke. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's not inside the franchise. Yeah. I feel like there's a movie that I'm thinking of that does like the stop, rewind, and comment, and it's a live action movie that's not either mm. of the Spider Man movies, and I'm trying to remember what it is. It might not be in a series though, so mm. it could yeah there's tag and bink are dead which is the star wars comic oh uh, yeah that's that which is also basically it is well, i mean it's Rose such a rip off dead. of yeah but so good but it's just i know this is sort of in the middle of like a dead period for the franchise but i feel like it's such a bold swing that like yeah to be like <laughs> we're gonna do a parody in the franchise it's well, not I gonna do, ruin it it kind of feels a little bit because i did watch the show as a uh-huh. kid it did feel like it rolled into it mm. because, like, the show would play in, like, the middle of the night. Like, I don't mm. know why the show was or why I was watching it at 7 or whatever. Like, I think 7 p.m.? No, no, no. Like, the age of 7. Oh, got um, it, got it. But, like, that it rolled. They had this show and the show maybe did well and then they made the movie because the show did well. Mm-hmm. And the show, I don't, did you ever watch it? No. no. The show was really weird because it's set in present day. And they're like going, uh, they're going to different cities and they're like doing weird things. With and like, humans? Yeah, in the present day. <laughs> and so it's like, it's very weird. Oh, that's like good. the we show is weird like that. Yeah. So it almost doesn't surprise me that someone was like, hey, what if Timon and Pumbaa did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern because mm-hmm. they, they yeah. do live on the outside kind of meta, kind of weird, almost Animaniacs y mm-hmm. show? So I guess it's not that surprising to me. Yeah. You know, that this is where where we ended up with it. <laughs> and honestly, I'd like to see the Lion Guard, too, because it sounded pretty good. Well, and they had a t- Timon and Pumbaa. Oh, you know how they used to do the, the shorts before other things? Oh, on, like, yeah. VHSs? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They had Timon and Pumbaa doing a music video to Stand By Me. And Timon's singing, and Pumbaa keeps getting hurt. Like, they're, like, because it's from the show, and they're, like, walking through New York, uh-huh. and Pumbaa gets a, like, thing crashes on him or something like that. Like, ba- ba- very baby's day out. Mm. You know, it's super weird. Like, they show up like this all over the place. Right. You're just not looking. <laughs> the true heroes of our culture. Truly. Truly. Okay, favorite song. 
<laughs> Fewer, well, really more options Way than ever. more songs. We just get little snippets of most of ones. Yeah, there's Beth. some crazy needle drops from other things. Oh, yeah, that's, that I was going to say Sunrise, yeah. Sunset, it's my favorite. Yeah. I remember, I, I used to have this memory. I'm like, okay, I always hear the song Sunrise, Sunset, and like see silhouettes bouncing in the sky. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, what is that from? What is that from? And then I realized a few, just a few years ago mm-hmm. that it was from Lion King One and a Half. Uh, like wow. and it's in my it's been in my head for so many years as like oh that was from something like what was that and like it's this <laughs> still my favorite like even better now that i i know it's fiddler on the roof like <laughs> Emmett, what's your favorite song in here in that vein i'm going to say it is the good the bad and the ugly theme that plays during the snail slurping uh, contest yeah, yeah. which i think is up just a, a wonderful sequence <laughs> hilarious weird so gross. gross so gross but also so funny and the fact that they've got the good the bad the ugly the hand twitch. the hand twitch the eyes yeah, it's, it's really good i even wondered if the slow-mo at the end of that sequence uh-huh. is a meta joke about the slow-mo at the climax of the Lion King? It very well could be. It's a tenuous connection, but I kind of wonder. I feel like it has more to do with, like, the gun, like, falling in Probably. slow-mo and the guy, I'm like, sure. falling to the ground. Yeah. But, but, yeah, it could also be a dig at the original. <laughs> it looks better. It does. It does look a little better. Ten years of animation innovation will do that for Yeah, you. right. This movie looks really good. It does. For, like, being on the video team budget. Yeah. It looks at least as good as the original and worlds better than the second. It definitely doesn't have, like, the cinematography of the original. No. It's still sort of that very clean art style. Mm -hmm. I do love that, like... Because I believe in the first and second movies, you have these sequences where the animation changes mm-hmm. and that they kept that, but they kept it and they would walk into other animation styles that mm-hmm. are just like happen. Like when they walk into Can't Wait to Be the King. Yes. And that like the background is different than when they just went in. And it's like, I like, I think that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite song is when they go, I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> that is funny. Um, and they've got <laughs> the dance and the art style and everything happening. Is really good. And you realize yeah. it was them that made but, the whole yeah. thing fall apart. Well, down. the whole time. That's what you thought it was. Yeah. That's what's happening the whole time. Yeah. 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 I like Dig a Tunnel, too. I like that yeah. new original song. Yeah, Pretty is, catchy. Yeah, it is. The Elton John one. Yeah. Which one? The Timon solo. The that How he's Far I'll Go. Oh, yeah, where he's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not, not bad. I mean, he probably not phoned it in. One. Like, even Elton John phoning it in is still great, but... Yeah. yeah. Not a standout. It's time for the main event. Our quiz. Oh, very <laughs> exciting. I'm going to start with this. We mentioned, I believe on our Lion King episode, that the movie helped lead to the creation of the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Oh, oh really? Uh-huh. This? Uh, not this. Oh. But the original Lion King. Oh. Because the first year there is a Best... An Academy Award for Best Animated Feature is 2001. Mm-hmm. And before that, like... Things would just get nominated for Best Picture. Like Beauty and the Beast gets nominated for Best Picture. uh, Because there wasn't anywhere to place animated movies. I guess because they didn't think animated movies would be good. Yeah. Or maybe they weren't. I don't know. I wasn't watching. They snubbed the Lego movie. Yeah, that makes me so mad all the time. Talk about that. Anyway. All right. Sorry. Well, along those lines, in the last 20 years, there have been six Best Animated Feature winners that were not made by Disney. Okay. And we're going to try and guess what they are. Six. Uh, now, that in- that includes Disney Pixar. So, six that were not made by Disney or Pixar. Okay. And here we go. The first one 
is the winner the very first year from 2001. Shrek. It's Shrek. The second is the year after. The King from of Egypt. 2002. Nope. This is from another very famous animation studio. Is it Blue Sky? No. 2002? This is from 2002. This is sort uh, of... Is it, it's a Studio Ghibli? It's a Studio Ghibli. Oh, it's Spirited Away. It's Spirited Away. Oh. Sort of the American breakout of Studio Ghibli. Oh, so good. Uh, I feel like Kiki's delivery service hit like a little bit, but Spirited Away was where they were like, this is a big deal. I Sometimes I just think about that, that movie and start crying. <laughs> Calm down, buddy. <laughs> so good. 2005, this was a surprising winner in my opinion, although not a bad movie. This is neither traditionally animated nor CGI. It's a different form of animation. Was it the one... The one with the really weird animation that's like the, it's like set in the Middle East. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, I don't know. Okay, never it's, mind. It's not that. Was it the Triplets of Belleville? No, although I was traumatized as a child by that movie. Hell yeah. I was so I frightened. love that movie. I just was watched it. it. 2005? 2005. <laughs> and I will tell you, there were no Disney movies nominated this year. Um, okay, this Coraline? is. This is a British movie. Oh, oh, it's um, it's Wallace and Gromit. Uh-huh. Oh, the Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Yeah. Yes, Wallace uh, and Gromit, The Curse of the what... Were-Rabbit. Dude, okay, so did the did the um, Meerkats not kind of look like Wallace and Gromit animation style? Oh, yeah, I could see that. Especially at the end when they're diving into the water. Go ahead. The other two nominated that year were Howl's Moving Castle and Corpse Bride. Very cool. So wow. not even a Disney movie at all. Wow, have you seen Corpse Bride? I love Corpse Bride. I would watch the, like behind the scene like making up uh, uh-huh. and they invented a new kind of like mechanics for the walking instead of moving the legs for the women in the big dresses they literally had a little motor that would lift them up and down so they just like crank it a little bit and move them that's so cool yeah it's really cool the fourth i believe is from 2006 the year after this is cgi the first cgi animated one we've talked about it is um, directed by a famous live-action sort of action genre director. But this film is a musical. Oh, never mind. A 2006 CGI musical? Mm-hmm. It wasn't Tangled because that's Disney. That's no, Disney. not Tangled. This is about animals. Although there are some humans in it, but all, the main characters are all animals. Is it Over the Hedge? No. Was it Madagascar? No. Uh, this movie came out at the same time as a documentary. Oh, Happy Feet. It's Happy Feet. Oh. <laughs> From uh, George Miller of Mad Max fame. Wow. George Miller directed Happy Feet? <laughs> yes. Do you know? Okay, this is the thing about George Miller. I'm trying to... George Miller, I think it's eight movies that he's directed ever. It's like four... <laughs> four Mad Max. Four Mad Max. Two Happy Feet, Babe, Pig in the what City. The f- Wait, the sequel? <laughs> it's the sequel. It's not the first one. And then it's like the the Witches of I forget what it's called, the Witches of Eastwick or something. It's like no an eighties comedy. Did he direct the Witches of Eastwick? That's, That's not a comedy. I don't think. Isn't that the one where they're like all trying to sleep? With it's Jack Cher Nicholson? and Jack Nicholson and the blonde uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's so weird. That's a. It's a like great movie. filmography. Yeah. <laughs> if you're only going to have directed eight films, could you pick eight better films to have directed? I mean, I think the Babe, Pig in the City, absolutely. Have, have you seen Babe, Pig in the I City? I probably have seen Babe. Come on, they're all there. Babe, The Farmer, 
the city. city. <laughs> All right. Okay, number five. This movie is 2011. I have not seen this movie, but I've heard a lot of people say it's good. Maybe a cult classic might be fair to say. This is also from a live-action director who directed a movie Emmett really loved as a kid. A live-action movie. Oh, okay. Um, is it Steven Spielberg's 1010? Adventures no? of 1010? No, I wish Damn. it was. Tintin not nominated. even nominated yeah. this year. What the hell? But it was the same year? Yeah. Damn. I believe it was 2011. But you've got Puss in Boots, Kung Fu Panda 2 nominated this year. No, The Adventures of Tintin? That's crazy. It's messed up. Uh, no, and this movie, the lead actor is also the lead actor of the live-action series that this director is famous for. Was it Rango? It's Rango. <gasps> Oh. Starring Johnny Depp. Yes. For, and by, directed by Gore Verbinski. Yeah. What was the movie that you liked as a kid? Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. He directed Pirates of the Caribbean. Gore Verbinski did, oh. I think, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean. At least three, if not four as well. We don't talk about four or that other one with Johnny Depp and the other guy. That's why we'll never do Verbinski on this podcast. Yeah, I know. Which I'm, I'm sad to say because the rest are really good, but yeah. we could never talk about The Lone Ranger. <laughs> With Army Hammer. Oh, God. And Johnny Depp playing a Native American. Yeah, that's probably. We could could probably just not touch that one. Uh. And the last movie, the most recent, is 2018 to win Best Animated Feature and not be from Disney. This movie is CGI animated and sort of known for breaking into a lot of new art styles within CGI animation. It is based on a comic book. Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Damn. Into the Spider-Verse. Damn. I love good. animated movies. <laughs> I was thinking, I haven't seen this so many amazing. animated movies all close together like this mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. long time. Like, watching three in 24 hours is like... <laughs> Probably not something that happens normally, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> but it's far better than the time that we watched <laughs> X2... X three, was a rough, Devil rough all the time, and X four all in a row. And yeah. there was one more in there. There was too. something else. Scream, maybe? No, it wasn't Scream because I really liked Scream. But there was some other. Yeah. It was like a bunch of stinkers all in a row. Yeah. Beth, do you have any final thoughts? I do have a final thought. Please. I think that there could be a very successful, though maybe it would have to be like clearly an off-brand movie version of this. But um, I think the end really lends itself to Timon being a cult leader. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, so he leaves uh-huh. his family and community mm-hmm. as an outcast, mm-hmm. and then he comes back as a savior, mm-hmm. and then unquestioningly, they change everything about their lives, lifestyles, habits, you uh-huh. know, like animal instincts, uh-huh. and come live out in the open, swimming and having fun, and Timon's riding around on a giant pig with his mom, and I think no one's a- no one's asking any questions, and even Uncle Max is smiling now and doing tai chi that screams cult to me i was wondering when you were going to make the dune connection to this movie and i'm so glad you finally did because i was like what is our way into talking about dune on this podcast and it is right here he is the paul atreides he has led his people out of the desert into the water world it is yeah i'm with you i think i think that's great i think we need to get denny on the phone say have we got an animated film for you amazing we're uh, on bad terms with Denny right now. He really wanted to do Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> we passed on him for charity. 
What? So glad we did. Yeah, not, let's not dig a hole any deeper in here. <laughs> right. Wait, Denny Villeneuve directed a Twilight movie? No. No, no. He just wanted to come on our he podcast and, and talk about, about it. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Beth. So we get the original and then we get a sequel. And then it feels like very circular, the mm-hmm. series. Like this is sort of peering behind the curtain of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Then we get a remake of the first movie. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Blackest King is like telling the story of the first movie through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Would you like to see any sort of forward momentum? What would you want to see next for this series? No. (laughs) (laughs) I would have wanted to see less. I would have wanted to not see the live action remake of this movie. Okay, okay. Please stop. (laughs) Please stop. Stop now. Make new movies. Make new movies. Let me make them for you. (laughs) Yeah, no. I think, I don't know. Why can't we just let good things be good? Yeah. I would say find some new anime to rip off. That's fair. They will. They will. They will. <laughs> don't worry. They will. Emma, any final thoughts on the Lanky one and a half? I don't know. It's it's good. Oh, I'm so sorry. I would like to redact my no and say yes. I would love to see a cult movie about Timon. Oh, obviously. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't think any forward momentum is necessary on this on this series. I think it's pretty much said everything that it has to say. I am excited to see Black is King. I am not excited to watch the live action remake. I'm going to be honest. I kind of am. I know it's bad, but I'm still I'm still suckered in by the promise of watching the first movie again and being like, wow, this could be cool. Yeah, Uh I know it isn't, but I want to believe I might like it more having seen all these. now. Yeah, but it's a good it's such a good cast. Doesn't Donald Glover play Simba? Uh That's the only part that I would want to see. It's Donald Glover. It's Beyonce. It's Nala. I need that. It's John Oliver Zazu. Oh, that's good. It's Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner is so good. As Timon. And Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. All right, yeah, that is a good cast. It's such a good cast. It's a good, yeah, it should be. And it's still James Earl Jones. Yeah. I think Maybe Eric Andre is in it playing one of the hyenas. Did you already yes. say that? Or? Amazing. I didn't say it. It's Eric Andre. He's our Cheech. Yeah. He's modern day yeah, Cheech. <laughs> Oh, man. I think he would love that. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Wade, final thoughts? I've talked a lot, both on and off this podcast, about hating framing devices. This might be the only good framing device. <laughs> I think this is the only framing device I like. There are other ones that I sort of... Like the Annihilation framing device I think is interesting, but uh-huh. I think it would be better without it. But I feel like if you break down this much... There also isn't really a fear. Like, if you're retelling another movie, there Uh, isn't a fear that Timon and Pumbaa are going to die this time, right? Right, right. Like, even when you're saying this is between two movies where Timon and Pumbaa are alive. Right. Like, the stakes are not what's going to happen to them. Right. So I'm fine if there's a framing device that is they are fine, they're happy together. Right, right. This is, like, the only framing device I can think of that I think the movie would be worse if it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just that extra meta layer, I feel like, if this movie was just sort of the movie they watch like mm-hmm. it would still be funny but it wouldn't quite be like, it wouldn't hit as hard yeah exactly yeah. beth thank you so much yeah thank you so much for having me what a delight <laughs> what a true delight yeah, thank you for being here and listeners if you don't know her by now then you know i guess you're not gonna know her. well no no that's no fair. no 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 what are you working on uh, what should the eager listeners do to get more Beth content? Um, I'm on Instagram as EBM Fletch. You can find lots of nice pictures of my dog there and any new projects. Uh, I don't know. I'm just working on music videos and like 
Hmm. Trying to make moves into longer things and hmm. shorter things and season things. Exciting. You can find me at your local drugstore on yeah. aisle three. She'll be the one wearing dark sunglasses at 10 in the morning and pushing a grocery a grocery cart full of beer. Oh, yeah. Not even from that drugstore. <laughs> Not even, no, just like from other ones restocking the shelves. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I work at Rite Aid. Please come help at me. Every Rite Aid. Every Rite Aid. Every Rite Aid in the in world. In the continental United States. Thank you very much. Come up and say, we love you on Cinema Bombs. <laughs> People love to hear that. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> we'll be back next week talking about, 15 years later, the live action, I'm doing quotation marks, yeah, air quotes. the live action remake of The Lion King, which is the highest grossing animated movie of all time. Uh-uh. Wait, really? <laughs> is it really? Yes, because it oh, was the original God. when it came out. Now oh, the original is 12th. And I've never seen number... you look so joyful as when <laughs> you were laughing deranged. about that. Um, <laughs> okay. well, love you guys. Bye. Stay frosted. <laughs> Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.